You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 77. I'm going to give you five questions to ask on social media that'll get your people talking. Are you ready to go? Good. Let's do it. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who has no desire to talk to you about musicals. That's very true. That's very true. Unpopular opinion time. I'm not a musicals guy. I really don't like them. There's a few that I like. I liked uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, because that one's hilarious. Um, I liked, um, well, that's about it. That's really about it. I really don't like musicals. I don't know why I'm talking about that right now. But anyway, I don't. Don't try to change my mind. It's just not going to happen. I grew up in choir. I have been the lead in musicals for a big chunk of my life. Um, I was Daniel in the kids' play for our, our, our church, and it was about Daniel in the lion's den, and I had a solo. I was Jack Frost in a play once on second grade, and uh, I memorized like 50 lines, 60, 70 lines. I don't know how, however many it was. Uh, but it was a big play. I've done musicals, man. I have done them. I was in choir for almost my entire life and actually went to school my first two years of college. Fun fact. Um, I went on a vocal scholarship for vocal performance. So I was in the choir and we did musical stuff, numbers, etc. Uh, and I quit because I'd had enough. I hate musicals. I do. So anyway, that's not in, it doesn't have anything really to do with what we're talking about today. Welcome to episode 77 of the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. You can find these show notes for anything we talk about here today and uh, at sethmuse.com slash 77. I've also got a Facebook group I'd love for you to join. Just find, uh, just go to sethmuse.com slash group and you will find a community of people that are on the same journey that you probably are trying to figure out the world of church communications and social media as best we can as we go along. And one of the best ways to learn is from each other. And so one of the things I wanted to share with you today is a few questions, five questions that can help you, uh, that you can ask on social media that get people talking. Now I'm an introvert, right? So, um, I, I, I really hate small talk. You know, you're, you're at a function. I was, you know, recently with family and stuff, and it's really hard for introverts to want to, um, to engage in a conversation. Sometimes it's, it's, it's very taxing and some, if you're an extrovert and you're like, that sounds like you're a wuss. Well, you know, shut up. You don't know anything about introverts. That's not how we operate. Uh, we are, we, we find it difficult to interact with people. And especially when the conversation is meaningless, like small talk, how's the weather? Oh yeah, it was tough drive here. Oh, this, those uh, sports ball teams, you know, whatever. That's not exciting to us. So it's really, really taxing to try to figure things out to talk about and keep the conversation going and be nice and all those things. So we go home and you just kind of go, oh. And you just put on your pajamas and watch TV and w- with your best friend, you, and, and that's it. That's what you want to do. So imagine you're at a gathering. You, you find yourself next to somebody you, you don't really know, and they aren't talking. How do you get a conversation going? In fact, sometimes at dinner, I'll pull out my phone. I did this tonight. We had dinner as a family, and um, I was like, I Googled some great questions to ask at the dinner table. And they were fun and they made our time together really fun because sometimes it's hard to get conversation going. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's not it's OK to just go find some help. And that's what I want to give you. 
I've got some questions. In fact, I got a bunch of them, but I've got some questions that I'm going to give you here. I'm going to give you just five of them that I think can help if you post these things on social media and your people are paying attention, you're doing all the things right. There's a chance that you'll get some engagement with these. Now, is this a magic bullet? No. Is this going to be magically, is it going to magically transform your social media strategy into a thriving community of online people, whatever overnight? No, but it's a good start. And thinking about things like this, and doing them consistently consistently will help you start to build trust with your audience. It will help them start to see that, hey, they actually are talking over there. And especially if you start to talk about this stuff elsewhere and say, yeah, we had this really great conversation online, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, whatever, and uh, people feel like they're missing out, so they want to pay attention more. But if you've got a group that are already paying attention, you're going to love this because immediately you will see some results if your people are pretty engaged. You'll see that they get really excited about some of the dumbest questions in the world. And you think, why is that? Well, at the end of this, I'm going to give you my questions. I'm going to tell you what they really do and why these are important. And then I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. So let me give you the first question. And again, I'm going to give you these questions, but if you have a better version of this, go for it. I mean, do what works for you. These are just really to get conversations going. Um, number one, what's the best advice you've ever heard about friendships? If you ask your people, just make a quick little graphic. And even on Facebook now, they've got those little card things you can create, uh, from the post and they look bad. I mean, they're not great, but if that's all you've got, that's better than just text, right? So that's better than nothing. Do what's do the best thing you can do. And if that's the best thing you can do, do that and don't feel any shame about it. But ask, what's the best advice you've ever heard about friendships? You'll find people that really share a lot of things. Sometimes they'll share inappropriate things. You got to monitor that, of course. You run that risk anytime you ask a question. But as a church, we got to be able to navigate that stuff like real adults and not like we're these scared Puritans that can't wait to punish witches for you know, doing science or whatever. So make sure that you're, you're paying attention to your social media. And if you're asking about friendships, they may give some bad advice. They might. And be ready to pre- and prepared to kind of guide people through that. Ask questions. What's the best advice you ever heard about friendships? Some, some people might say the best friend you'll ever have is your brother or your sister, your family. And that might be a great thing. Oh, that's really great. Because Jesus said, friend sticks, there's a friend that sticks closer than their brother. That's kind of a Jesus juke. That cheeses it up a little bit. But you know what? It, maybe your congregation digs that kind of stuff. So there's always some next steps you can do. So respond when they respond. Number two question, what topics would you love? Oh, this is a dangerous, this is a dangerous question, but I'm going to give this to you and you can think what you like about it. What topics would you love to hear talked about from the pulpit? Let us know in the comments. You can do this as a poll. You can do this as a general question. Um, And if you're not comfortable with that question, ask some other kind of feedback question. This is really a feedback question. That first one is just, let's get talking. Let's talk about something important. But the second one is feedback. I want to know something about my audience. These types of questions are incredible research tools. And if you're like, I don't really know who my persona is supposed to be or my target audience is supposed to be, who's really on Facebook, I've got all this data, I don't know how to read it, ask them who they are. And one of the ways you ask them is, what do you want to hear about? What's your, how old are you? You know, and there was a great poll that went out recently. I, I stole it from whatever church I saw it from. And it was, tell us how old you are without using numbers. And that was really a fun experiment because then you, you get things like, I'm old enough to remember the sound of dial-up internet. 
And, and if you remember that sound, you, you're like, oh my gosh, it's burned in my mind because you heard it every time you had to get online because it took up your phone line and nobody could call your house. It always was a busy signal whenever they called because uh, you were taking up the, the phone line with, your, with the internet. Whatever kind of poll you want to do, doesn't really matter. Just figure out a way to get some information from your people in a way that's fun and they will give you the information. If you want to know if they have kids, if you want to know uh, what kind of TV shows they like, find a way to ask them that question creatively in a poll or some kind of question and do some research. We like to do like, hey, um, what, what would you like to hear from the pulpit? That's a great question because if you're a pastor and you're going, are, are series really hitting home? Are we really talking about the issues that people are, are asking questions about? One, one good research question would be, what theological questions do you feel like we need to answer that you've never heard a good answer for or that we don't answer and we should? Something like that could really bring you some ideas on how to create your next series to really hit home. Because if you're saying, what theological questions do you have? And they give you five theological questions. Then you just do a series where you answer those theological questions and put some things out online about it. You're going to not only uh, help the people right where they are, but they're going to tell their friends about it. That's something they're going to go, hey, over here at this church, we're talking about this issue that nobody else is talking about. Because I asked and they said, because let's be honest, guys, as, as pastors, sometimes we do shy away from the tough sub- subjects. We do. And I understand why that is. I wish we wouldn't, but I understand. I understand you can get yourself in a lot of hot water, but if you're answering questions that people are asking, you find that out through social media, I promise you're going to hit home. Um, so number three, tell us how you came to our church and what made you stay. This is a great way to gather testimonies. And uh, I, we did this a couple times at a couple different churches I've been at. It's always been good. In fact, I've done the same exact question a couple of times at my current church and both times new people showed up and gave us some really great stuff. They, they told us a lot about their journey spiritually and what was going on in their life when they found our church and how they met Jesus. And, you know, just, it's really, really great. But tell us how you came to our church and what made you stay. That's a great question. A fourth good question. What's the best parenting tip you've ever heard or you've heard lately? What's something you've learned lately about parenting? Parents are struggling with, with their kids. The truth is, is that no matter who you are and how many parenting books you've read, no matter how many parent, parenting podcasts and blogs you've listened to or read or even written or done yourself, you're struggling as a parent if you have kids. You are. And there, even though you know some things, your kids never follow the manual. They just don't. And we need help. People need help with this. So there's a community out there that is willing to tell them all kinds of parenting stuff. Some of it is good. Some of it is dumb. Your job as a leader is to guide them to some of the truth that leads them to godly parenting. And there's some good stuff out there. So if you can get the conversation started, you might be able to then direct them to some of the resources and places where they can get good parenting advice instead of maybe even listening to some of the advice that you'll get in that thread. So it's not about just getting them good content right there. It's about the next step with the content. What's happening because we asked this question? What is happening because we asked this thing on social media? What are we trying to get them to do? I want them to be better parents. Are they going to do that by telling us their greatest tip? No, they're going to do that by getting a conversation started. And then the church interjects and says, we have some great stuff. I've heard some great stuff here. 
don't have to say which ones are which, but you say, I just heard some great tips in here and comments in here, but I want to direct you to this thing that we love as a church. And if you haven't tried this yet, check it out. Now, anyone who's in that thread is going to hear, see your comment at the bottom after they've gone for a while and they're going to be able to, you're going to be able to put that resource in front of their face. It's a matter of timing and just getting it out there because you've asked a question, started a conversation, and now you're able to guide them in a direction. That's the, that's the game right there. Question number five, what's the best book on navigating social media or something, parenting, financial responsibility you've read and why was it so great? Whatever subject it is, whatever you want to go to, let's say, what do we want to lead our people in? Let's ask them what book they've read, what podcast they've listened to, what blog they love, whatever. Who do you like to follow to get this kind of advice? What books do you read? What places do you go? And ask the community, because you might learn something here for real, some great you might learn some great resources. You might actually learn that your people are listening to some pe- others out there that you're like, gosh, I hope they don't listen to them. They're crazy. I've done that before. I've like said, Hey, what's uh, what's one of your favorite podcasts right now? And some of the things I've gotten back, I'm just like, okay, dang, we need to direct these people a little bit more towards some better podcasts because what they're listening to, I'm like, dude, there's some bad theology over here, or this is completely against what scripture teaches over here. They're teaching. And you're just like, I'm not trying to like, you know, you know, lock down theology and lock down what they're learning. But if I'm a leader, my job is to influence, right? My job is to influence them towards the truth. And as a convicted, you know, I'm convicted that that's not true. I want to lead them away from that towards something else. And you can do that too. But you also get a great conversation going and you learn some resources and you can actually uh, share some of those resources with the people there, just like you did in the parenting tip thing. So those are five questions. What's the best advice you've ever heard about friendships? What topics would you love to hear from the pulpit or some other poll? Uh, tell us how you came to your church, our church, and what made you stay. For what's the best parenting tip you've ever heard, or just a general question like that. Um, or number five, what's the best book on navigating social media? Now, the reason I say social media is because so many of your kids and students, it's very native to them. They still don't know as much as we often think they do about social media. They stumble into things, they know how things work, but they don't really know how to make it work for them. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know, they may know that if they search things, then they'll start seeing more of that thing, but they don't know why that is. So communication directors can really come in and help parents understand that if you open your kid's phone up and you see some pretty bad stuff in the search window and they go, I don't know why that's there. I don't get that. You can go, okay, well, it's only there because you searched for it. So why are you searching for this stuff? It helps you with those conversations to kind of know what's going on with your kids. Parents are terrified of social media. We, they are, They're, it's happening so fast. And, they, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a parent. I have a teenager. I have uh, a young, a young son, but I also have a teenage daughter who is about to be, well, she's about to be 13, but already we're dealing with like, she's into all these, these, uh, um, platforms on social media that I don't even know what they are. Like, I don't, I don't really dig into TikTok. I didn't really even know till recently that that used to be musically. And musically is something we didn't let her have because there's some things that went on on it. We don't let her have Snapchat. We don't, I don't, I don't have Snapchat and you know, we think it's dangerous and there's a reason why we think that's dangerous and why I advise churches not to go into the Snapchat world. It's just not worth the risk. Um, so we, we talk about those kinds of things with parents and we help them navigate and, and what we really want to help parents with and, and people in general, honestly, with social media is we want them to not be afraid of it. We want them to help people 
uh, we want them to help their kids navigate through it. Because I think when parents are, are like going, you can't have this, you can't have that. Yes, you're going to be able to limit some of that stuff. But eventually they're going to leave your house. And what have you taught them about navigating it? What have you taught them about resisting it? And we want to help parents understand it so they can do that. Uh, because we're teaching lessons for life, not lessons through high school, right? Anyway, so why would I, let's get to this question. Why would I post something like this on my church social media? I've seen this question in some of our groups, and uh, honestly, it confuses me. Why would I take a post like, what, what's the best advice you've had about friendships? Or what's a great place to eat after church? Or what's your favorite place to shop for, you know, secondhand clothing or whatever, you know, where's, is there, where's the best laser tag arena? I don't know. Why, why would we waste time posting that? That question confuses me because I, the, I think the underlying issue with that is that it's not ministry. And if you'll, if you'll follow me here in just a second, we, let's take a look at the life of Jesus. What Jesus considered ministry is he didn't, he didn't just teach at the synagogue, right? He did that, but he also taught in parables to the people. He sat on a mountainside and he talked to them about farming and a man who owed money to a, to a king and, and he, and, and three men who were given different sums of money and what they did with it. And he talked to them about relationships with family. And he also taught them about the kingdom of God. He taught them about sin. He taught them about relationships. He taught them about worship. And all these things are rooted in stuff that is just farming and, and animals and, you know, things that they understood. And I think the reason that he did that was honestly brilliant because he found common ground to start with. I think that with social media, the way it is, if you expect to see salvations on your social media platforms because of what you're posting. I believe you might be a bit misguided as to what actually that can do. Uh, I believe very much in evangelism and discipleship, but that stage of it uh, on social media, I mean, I don't know that that's going to work. Uh, evangelism, for sure, I don't know that's going to work. Discipleship, maybe. Um, but if you're expecting to get converts from your social media accounts, then I think you're aiming all of your resources at the smallest percentage of what that can do. And I don't think that's very wise. Common ground is fertile ground. And what I want to encourage you to do is to start thinking about your social media as a place simply for conversation. It's the marketplace. It's the mountainside. It's out in the city. It's where the church isn't, right? It's away. It's during the week. It's your weekly 167 other hours of the week that you don't get to see them, that you now get to see your people. It is common ground, which means it's fertile ground. It's what Jesus worked with. It's why he used situations that were familiar. He, he, he also thought eating and drinking with sinners at parties with worth, was worth doing. And we, there's a lot of that that he did. We don't really have record of him teaching anything there until something happened. And so he seized upon the opportunity. But for us, when we look at social media, I really believe very much with all my heart that it is more about a conversation marketplace kind of environment. And as a church, if you're creating conversations, you're creating this common ground area that is not threatening, 
for people who are not believers, you will see more of them come into the conversation because a person who doesn't believe doesn't have a favorite scripture verse to share with you. So when we say share your favorite scripture verse, that's only going to be Christians. If you really want a non-believer to enter the conversation, you ask them where their favorite place to eat is because everybody likes to eat. Everyone likes to go to the restaurant that's right by the church. Everyone likes to do it. That's not just for believers, right? That's for non-believers, believers of all kinds. So it's common ground. And when we find things that we agree on, that is a much stronger foundation for building relationship, for building trust, for building actual salvation out of that, that they might actually want to hear what you have to say. Because trust me, if you don't have a relationship with somebody, uh, man, you can say what you want to say. You might convince them with some facts, but dude, they don't really care what you have to say. They need that relationship. And social media is really great for creating an environment of or culture, even around your church where conversation is key. And I think that churches have, have seen that, but we've seen it more as a billboard. We've seen it more as a place to advertise our stuff, to get information out there. And that's fine. That's, that's helpful. There's it, people are paying attention. That's good, but still that's a strategy aimed at your people. That's a strategy aimed at your people that you already have. That is a believer-centric strategy. And if you want to do that with your social media, go for it. But if you really want to create a marketplace, conversation place in your social me- with your social media accounts, then you're going to have to talk about something other than church. You just have to. Because non-believers do not care about your church. And they don't want to talk about it. So if you want to talk to them, you got to talk to them about something they want to talk about. And it is not your church. It is not your, fight, your faith. It is not your God. It is not your Savior. It's parenting. That's what we have in common. We have, uh, we have friendships in common. Like it's hard to navigate those things. Uh, we read books on social media. We read books on philosophy, ask them what their favorite is, engage the culture and don't just shy away from it and, and, and tell them that they're bad for not coming over to us. Our job has never been to try to get them to come to us ever from the beginning of the great commission. It's go, go to where they are. And I think that as a healthier strategy, when we look at social media as a go tool to go and talk to people who don't care about Jesus and try to convince them, try to show them that we have some common ground, that we have more in common than we really have. That's, that's a difference. And there's something over here in this Bible. There's something over here in this faith that might be for you. And it's worth looking at. I've based my life on it. And don't you know that I am not an idiot? (laughs) Don't you know that I have thought about this a little bit? Yes, I have put my faith in Christ. And at that point, I honestly believe that's a stronger platform to talk about your faith once you've begun the relationship. Second, I'll say this. All that to say, when you create this culture of conversation, what you really do is you feed relationships in person. When two people have, con- have, have had contact on Facebook or Instagram, wherever, uh, let's just say Facebook, since that's a common one, um, they've had conversations on Facebook. It's been pleasant. It's been an agreement. They've find, found things they like that are the same. They both watch The Office. You both like, um, you know, Burger King. I don't know. Gross. Burger King? Really? That's disgusting. Let's do something better. Um, let's find a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Everybody, uh, all Christians like Chick-fil-A, right? So like Chick-fil-A, you found these things that you have in common basically. And then when you show up to the church and you see each other face to face, 
is that relationship better or is it the same because you had conversations online? It's better. The first time I met this guy um, online, he's a marketer. He's a good dude. I really like him a lot. And the first time he visited Texas, came to a hotel and I was like, dude, I'll come pick you up. So I come to pick him up and he walks out the door, throws his big arms out to the side and he goes, Seth comes running up, hugs me. We have a great time. I feel like I've known this guy forever. I've been talking to him for about a year in different groups, whatever. And this is the first time we've ever met and we're already good friends. I don't have to be face to face and neither do they for relationships to be built online. It is just a truth. Now we want to feed them to these face to face encounters, right? We, that's fine. You want to do that? Fine. That's good. But don't count out the fact that social media plays a huge role in greasing the wheels for real life in your face relationships. All right. So if you thought the five questions were really helpful, I got a lot more where that came from. I have a free resource that I want to give you. It's called 88 ideas for church social media posts. And that's exactly what it is. It's just a PDF full of 88 different ideas of things you can mold into any platform. Uh, a lot of them, most of them are not really specific to any platform over another one. You can just tweak them and do whatever you want to do with them, but they will help you get engagement. They will help you start to get people to talk and uh, they are really engaging posts. It's free. And all you have to do is sign up for my email list, which is super fun, by the way. Go to sethnews.com slash 88 ideas, and you're going to see the big sign up form. Sign up. Um, you'll get an email right away that'll have the link that you can download 88 ideas in that email. It's real super easy, real easy to understand, and I think you're going to start seeing engagement right from the start. If not, maybe soon. But, you know, like I said, it's better than nothing. So anyway, go get that free resource and uh, I hope you'll join, you'll join the list and we'll be able to, to hang out and talk. The show notes are going to be at sethmuse.com slash 77 and I hope I'll put the link there too. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Bye. This episode of the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is brought to you by Potato Chip Bags. At 2 a.m. when you've got the munchies, it's the loudest sound in the world.